Hey everybody, I'm back from my travels, and I'm really sorry that I didn't get to release uh, episodes in the past two weeks, but I'm back. It's uh, Bicycle Day. Happy Bicycle Day to everyone. For those of you who don't know what Bicycle Day is, it's uh, it refers to April 19th, 1913. Uh, this happened in Switzerland, uh, Dr. Albert Hoffman who was the first person to synthesize LSD. He ingested LSD on this day 103 years ago and rode his bicycle around uh, around town, and we call that Bicycle Day. First time a human being tripped on acid. Really, really awesome stuff. And today, not today, tomorrow, tomorrow is 420, the American holiday celebrating cannabis so lots of fun stuff don't know when you'll be listening but i hope all of you enjoy your day of consciousness expanding substances just to get our housekeeping out of the way if you want to support the podcast you can always go on my website funboatdiplomacy.com and use the amazon portal on the right hand side to do your amazon shopping just click on that link uh, that link is linked up to my account and a fraction of your purchase uh, helps me to pay for everything. Uh, in addition, uh, I won't be in San Francisco for that much longer, so please, please uh, come visit me uh, and stay, if you wish. I think it's a pretty good deal, pretty low prices here at the Pacific Tradewinds Hostel, where I work currently. And um, you can use the code Wayman's Friend Three. That's W E I M I N S F R I E N D three to get that discount when you make a reservation online at SanFranciscoHustle dot com. Um, uh, keep an eye out uh, for on the website for some photos and write ups about uh, about Denver and Austin, which really amazing places. Uh, Denver. It's really incredible hiking and uh, trippy, to be honest, trippy mountains. And it would be like hot. It'd be really, really like, desert heat sort of weather. The sun's beating down on you, and then under the shade of a tree, there's a little patch of snow. So it's almost like being on a different planet. Um, and Austin, just can't say enough about Austin. Really amazing people, great food great vibe, great weather, and just a nice aesthetic. I, I, I describe it as uh, like if they took Haight-Ashbury, which is a street little area here uh, known for the, in, in San Francisco, known for the, the hippie era, if they took that and just stretched it out across the city, that's what it would be. That's what it is like. I mean, still great vibes. Uh, definitely will check out these two places again in the future. Anyway, now we can get into this week's episode with uh, my friend Nico Deletier and Yoka Dunier. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. We're here today at Dolores Park with uh, Nico Deletier and Yoka Dunier. Yeah, how are you guys today? We're fine. Thank you very much for inviting us on your po- podcast. Yeah, thank you for speaking loudly and clearly today. Uh, I'll try. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't usually record outdoors, but when I do, there's like, it's very fun to listen to the things going on around us while we're recording. There was one time I was recording. It was actually over Skype, and uh, it was my friend with with my friend in Poland, and it was on that hill over there, and. Uh, and while we were recording and she was explaining something, uh, there was a fight about to happen right in front of me. So there's like somebody from Daly City, somebody from Oakland, and they're like having a turf battle and they're shouting at each other. And, uh, and she was like, is there a fight about to happen? Because they're, they're really, really shouting. But was, I was just like, that's just, how, that's just how it is in America. People just get in fights. But uh, anyway, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit to the podcast audience? Sure. So my name is uh, Nico. I'm a, I'm a French guy from from the north of France, Dunkerque. 
I lived in Belgium for eight years. That's where I met my, met my wife, Joker, from Belgium. And we arrived in uh, San Francisco, actually in May, in May 2015, because Joker got an internship at Stanford. Here. What do you do at Stanford, Yoka? I do neuroscience, statistics for images of the brain. So that's uh, that's just an internship. You don't have to do classes or anything. Uh, the, the internship now is over. We're here for a couple of more years, and now I work as a postdoc, so I'm just doing research right now. Okay. Yeah, Yoka got a contract. <laughs> really cool, good. Cool. So we can congratulations. Stay. Thank you. It's very fun. Um, yeah, you can continue saying. Yeah, no, so uh, so far, so we came for uh, Yoka's job. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just exploring San Francisco, enjoying the American life. Yeah. Also, there's a lot to see in the Bay Area and also outside of San Francisco. Yeah, as we discussed, Santa Cruz is really amazing. Definitely, but. For that, we need a car, of course, and there is plenty to see in San Francisco already. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, there's a thing. It's like there's always something to do, but I don't ever feel like I'm missing out because there's always something more to do. Like if I have work, I don't feel like, oh man, I'm so sad that I'm missing this or that yeah. because tomorrow there's something amazing gonna happen too. So, yeah, definitely, it, it's never stopping. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to discover also the differences between. Europe and the United States because it's so similar in a way and yet so different and that's always fun always fun to see the little what uh, what other what places have you already visited uh, we went to uh, to Petaluma so up north Petaluma we visited a little bit Sonoma uh -huh. I sometimes work as a as a mover so I go a lot next to Oakland uh -huh. Lafayette Concord all that east, the the East Bay, and uh, and Yoko works in Palo Alto, so we visited a little bit. Have, Palo you, have Alto. you visited the uh, like Facebook and everything yet, or no? No, I but went. I actually went the other day, and it was it's really incredible. It? Uh, so I went to first to Apple, and Apple. I mean, it, it feels. I got the sense because because you know the story, right? Like Steve Jobs started, and you yeah. know, and Wozniak, they they uh, they started the company in their garage, and. And when you visit, you see that it's become. It reminded me of, like the government buildings in D.C. It's that big. It's like just whole government apartments. That's how big it is. It's a huge campus. Everybody has their badge, their security. All the windows are. Uh, they're like that. You can't see into them. Because yeah. uh, they're afraid of like uh, spies, like drones maybe, like flying around, uh, looking at their stuff. And so, like to me, that felt so much like. Uh, it felt like the Pentagon because it's actually in a in like a circular shape. So you can feel a kind of a paranoia. In yeah, the, yeah. There, there, a, and you can't take pictures inside, and you need you need somebody who works there to to, to show you around. But like oh. the Pentagon, it's like a it's like a certain shape you can walk around, and in the middle there's like a little caf like cafeterias, and you can eat outside. But uh, the funny thing about that because at the Pentagon there's a in the center there's a in the center space there's a uh, there's a little stand and it's it's covered. And so during the Cold War, um, the uh, spy planes from the Soviet Union would look over, and look they'd look down, and uh, they were like, what is this? People go to it, and then they come out, and we can't see what it is. It must be some sort of nuclear thing, whatever. But meanwhile, it's uh, it always and has always been uh, a hot dog stand. <laughs> it just, they just sell hot dogs. People go, they get a hot dog, and they leave. And that's what it, but that, awesome. That, um, Apple felt like that, but and then the food—I don't know. Like a lot of startups in Silicon Valley, they'll uh, they'll provide food for free. Um, Apple is not like this, but the thing about oh. Apple is uh, you have to pay for the food. It's about nine, ten dollars a meal, but oh. uh, the food is by like top chefs. So this is this is stuff that you would get at. I had oxtail, for example, and uh, this is this is stuff that would go for maybe like thirty, forty dollars at a restaurant, and you pay nine dollars. Wow. Uh, so the rest is like subsidized yeah. by the company. So yeah, and then I went to Google. I didn't have anybody. I didn't know anybody there. So um, well, now there's um, now there's music. Yeah. I guess that's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, do you, you want to move? Yeah, we'll see. I think it's okay. Um, so I went to Google, uh, and I didn't know anybody there. So uh, I just was biking around. 
Can you enter Google actually? You can if you know people. It's like all these companies you have to know people. But uh, yeah, maybe actually we should move. Yeah. So we were, we were interrupted for a second by music. Now we've relocated just a couple meters away. Or was I talking about Google, right? Yeah, so Google, it, they, they seem entirely unprepared for visitors. So they, if you go to the visitor's desk, they just give you this little form and it's like, yeah, you can go visit our sculpture, Android sculpture garden. And it's just like, it's a little tiny patch of, next to the parking lot where they have a couple Android sculptures. It's really stupid. So you should work on that. You hear me, Google? I know you're listening to me, Google. But uh, yeah, and then I, then I went to Facebook and that was incredible. It's uh, so Facebook used, they had one office in Menlo Park and now across the highway they have another office that's new and most of the people work there I think and uh, it's this um, imagine an airport but instead of departures and like planes and anything it's just a one huge office and everything's Whoa. open you can uh, you can walk in you can look at what they're doing you can look at people coding Whoa. like they don't care there's like, no walls yeah there's no walls it's one big office and um, and the difference between Facebook and Apple with regards to food is that everything's free. So you go to the cafeteria, you just pick up what you want, you can make coffee, you can make tea, you can... Uh, and it's as good. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. And uh, you um, uh, you can grab snacks. They had all kinds of snacks I've never seen before. I was just like, how, you go to the... No, I'm good. The, uh, you go to the kitchen, and it's just like, imagine like someone's someone's kitchen, but everything's really well organized and labeled, and you can take anything you want. Whoa. <laughs> like drinks, everything, like, you know, really incredible. Nice. Uh, and, and then you go to the other office, uh, also they have a, a, a rooftop, so if you've gone to the Academy of Sciences here, I don't know if you have, uh, in Golden Gate Park, on top there's, there's a there's a roof there's a rooftop like uh, like a green rooftop with like plants and things. And Facebook has this as well, and from the top you can see the uh, you can see the uh, the San Francisco Bay. It's really really beautiful. And then you go across the street. That's where they have the big um, the company sign. It's just the big like button, and you yeah. can take and people take pictures in front of it, and then you go inside. And the other the other campus is the older one. It's uh, that's where like Instagram is also, and like things like this, and it's. It's a. Uh, it feels kind of like a theme park. Like everything's just really fun and colorful. Uh, and do you need to know someone? Yeah. Also, you need also, to know somebody. Man. Yeah. But it feels like a theme park. There's all different kinds of like attractions, like the like, arcade rooms and different art installations going on. Whoa. It just seems like a really amazing place to to, to work. But uh, yeah, I think I'd rather I'd rather work at Facebook. But that's just my first impressions of both. So. But you asked us if we visited something. Actually, we visited Weebly. I don't know if you if you know that, what, that what, company. It's an Weebly. app, right? It's a website that allows you to make your own website. Mm. So they make the code. Like, like Squarespace, something like this. Yeah, like WordPress, oh, okay, something okay. Some, uh, even simpler than that. And so our roommate was working there, did an internship at Weebly. Mm -hmm. And so we had the opportunity to, to go there a Saturday night. There was no nobody, and as well, they have three chefs working there, mm -hmm. cooking, breakfast, lunch, it's dinner. It's a smaller company. It's a smaller company, like 50, 70 employees, I don't know, okay, something okay. Not really like small. The, not, it's, uh, not like the thousands that are at the other companies, like Facebook and Apple. Totally not, yeah. totally not. No, they're located in Soma, oh, in, a okay, okay. in a little building, yeah. but they have also a room with uh, five guitars uh, and electric uh, drums. Yeah. We had another room with video games. A small hidden room. He showed me a, a library, like a bookcase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cannot tell the book. Yes, with uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And so when you open the book, when you take the book, it opens a secret. Oh. A secret room. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. <laughs> it's a 70 person company, I'm sure I'll be okay. Yeah, for They're not sure. listening to me. And I'm pretty sure it's not really that secret because mm. the intern knew about it. Okay. So I'm really sure it's just for fun. Just I can imagine those big guys, like they, they could have a secret room and they so just they made one. Yeah, yeah. And it's just really, really cool. Yeah, another thing I want to mention about 
uh, Apple and Facebook, they have shuttles between here, San Francisco and uh, and Silicon Valley. So, I you, you see these buses, like full buses, uh, and it, it says Haight Ashbury, North Beach Mission. What? Whoa. It's a company. It's like it really is like this, like a corporation or even a government entity, because that's what that's what the government does. They they take people uh, yeah. to to work from wherever they live in around Maryland or Virginia to, to DC and. Yes, it's super crazy. That's, okay. that's just how it is. That that corporations can be at this point now. But what, what do you think about the the impact that those tech buses have on the traffic and on the like they take more and more? Well, I guess it's better than everyone driving. That's the big problem with like L.A. for example, is uh, they have bad public transportation. Everyone drives and nobody really carpools. So you see all these people just by themselves. Uh, in their cars, where they could be carrying like four other people. I mean, not that I want to impose on anybody to, to have to have to drive people, but um, it's a really weird uh, symptom of American uh, economic growth. I guess I don't know if we're growing anymore. I don't know if that's uh, important. <laughs> I don't know, but, but people drive. It's the thing. It's like Americans just like fucking driving by themselves. You know, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And we have space, so. When you go to a city, there's not a lot of space, but from like uh, state to state, town to town, you gotta drive. There's no like, there's not a lot of good transportation here. There's no good trains, like uh, yeah, especially between now, between states. Uh, there will there, yeah. There's Amtrak, yeah, but it's expensive. It's not like you can just do it. Uh, I know around Europe, I used to take buses a lot, and you can also take like blah blah car. That's really really. Fun and yeah, even the trains, even the trains are really yeah, you can really, just hop on. Really good. They are late. They are often late. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. What what is okay? Yeah, I want to discuss a bit about the uh, about Belgium now. I'm interested. I've only been there sure. for three total hours. I was in Brussels for three total hours because I had a layover between Lisbon and Berlin. Have you uh, had the chance to? Yeah, I went around? to. I went to the every like big uh, major city, major capital I go to. I usually go to the military museum because I studied military oh, history yeah. in college, and it always it always interests me like what's the what how they how they frame their military uh, history. And what did you think about the military museum of Belgium? There's just like. It was interesting, but it just looked like they just threw shit into the. It was just they have a lot. They had a lot of stuff. I've from, never been there. It, I don't know. It just seems like they have had a lot of artifacts, and then just threw it into this. Uh, it's like a kind of feels like a warehouse where they just put all their historical military <laughs> artifacts. They had like little labels, but otherwise it was kind of a uh, disorganized. But it was okay. I mean, I saw some cool planes and like tanks and old nice. Napoleonic yeah. era guns and stuff. But um, and then it was on a Sunday, so nothing was open, so I was starving. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did get to pass by NATO on the way from uh, from the airport. Um, what else did I see? I saw, I mean, the European Commission as well. So like the big, like the, big uh, the international uh, organizations. I saw. I got to got to take a look at them. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think now? What's the state of state of the place? Ha, now, now it's uh, it's becoming scary. So we don't live in Brussels. We don't come from Brussels. So from, uh, Ghent. From Ghent. Yeah. From Ghent. Uh, what is that? What is it like in Ghent? Because I, the only thing I know about Ghent is there's a there's a treaty. That's all I know. And then also yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. my uh, my my uh, blah blah car driver. It's uh, from uh, from I was in Normandy. I went from Normandy to Lille. Yeah. Um, he was from Ghent, and he didn't speak any English. So that's all I know. Wow. Yeah. What's yeah, the place so, like? Ghent. It's so it's a town between 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 Brussels and uh, Bruges. Mm -hmm. I guess most of most people know Bruges, and it's actually a very very historical town, a bit like Bruges, but con contrary to Bruges, there there are a lot of universities. A lot of students. It's a young town with a lot of of things to do, a lot of stuff to do. It's a, it's a really really laid back laid back town. It's really it's really nice. So we come from we come from there. We don't really know Brussels, but I heard from friends that it's a bit it's a bit scary now. In a, some of my friends are a bit scared in Belgium. 
because everything is close to Brussels. You never know, a lot of people work there. Yeah. They have to commute every day. Is it a big thing for like students to um, graduate from university and their goal a lot maybe is to go to Brussels to work or do they stay in smaller cities or? Uh, it's just the fact that there's a lot of big companies yeah, in right. Brussels and ev nothing is really far and Belgians like to stay close to their hometown. Okay. But Brussels is not too far, so I think it's a good opportunity for a lot of people mm. to work in Brussels. All the government is in Brussels. Transport, uh, international um, Yeah, and the bodies. European quarter, there's a lot of jobs in, because all the European institutions are yeah. in Brussels. So. Yeah, because a lot of... Uh, the United States is different. It's like wherever the next big city is, that's where you go after you graduate or that's where you want to go. So, for example, everyone who went to my university uh, is close to D.C. Their goal is to go to D.C., work for the government or this or that and whatever. But uh, I guess in Europe, uh, it's usually the next big, next big city is the capital usually. Yeah. But even in, in France, in France it would be a little bit closer. Of course, Paris yeah. stays a big attraction pole, but yeah, the next big city would be a good a good store to, to look for a career. But in, in Belgium, because it's already very, very small. It's not a big deal to just stay put. Yeah, yeah. so it, you're, you've nev you're never really far from Belgium, mm. uh, from Brussels, sorry. Yeah. Wherever you are in Belgium, it's two hours away from Brussels anyway. So, yeah, a lot more people go to the, to the capital in, uh, in Belgium. And what's the... Tell me about how the languages work, because does everybody learn every language, or do you... Do you just stay in the place where you, everyone speaks your language? Or maybe you, was... you should answer that. So I'm Flemish, uh -huh. but I was lucky that my parents, when I was 12, they moved to the French part, so I had to learn French. We already learned French in school when we were 8 or 10 years old. And from Wallonie, the French part, they also learned Dutch, but they're like, I mean, Flemish people are very good at learning languages. If you speak French, it's very hard to learn another language. So there, there's a, a not, it's not in, in um, there's no equilibrium. Balance. There's, it's not in balance. But, um, oh. Yeah, like the, the Flemish people, usually they speak French. The French speaking people, they usually don't speak Dutch. And it creates a little bit of a conflict, and even a conflict, even the frustration mm -hmm. from the Flemish part. So they have to learn it, they learn it, but they're not all good at it. And so it creates, yeah. A it's, it's hard for me to really imagine like such a small country and everyone, hey, there's this three parts. I speak three, I mean, three different languages. What's Flemish is closest to which Dutch? Dutch. Or? Okay. Okay, so Dutch. I, because I also have the same uh, curiosity about um, Switzerland because they speak yeah. uh, French, German, and some parts Italian. And uh, it's this tiny little place. America all speaks English, but uh, it's tiny little, tiny little places have all these different languages, and even within the languages, uh, dialects. For Flemish, that's really a, a big deal, the dialects. How many are there, do you estimate? Uh, I think there's five main dialects. <laughs> of but, just Flemish? But then... <laughs> yeah. Yes. But then if you look at where Like five my million dialect, people. There's this little region, the west of Flanders, and you can hear whether someone's from a town at 10 kilometers or not. It's so different from city to city or from town to town. But it's... Is, is Belgium is Belgium quite flat? It's from my understanding, I think it's quite flat. It's so quite flat. Switzerland has an excuse in that it is like very, <laughs> it's very mountainous. So like if on this side of the mountain you have this dialect, and over there you might have a different dialect. But I, that's very strange that uh, Flemish itself, like within ten kilometers, would have different dialects. It's little sounds that are that are strange. Yeah. And I think it comes from the like we said, the. The Flemish mentality that they stay home, they stay where they grew up, they don't go far, they don't 
They don't travel uh, for the stereotype of I the think... really Flemish farmer. And I think it grew up like that, that they really stayed within themselves. And so they created a lot of different dialects mm. fairly easily. And I think it's really a cultural thing, more than a geographical necessity. If, or... uh, if, if Belgians are so into uh, staying home, how do you explain uh, Belgium being involved in a lot of things internationally um, back in, like a long time ago, back in imperialism times? I think Belgium is, is almost a symbol of making compromises. The whole country is based on making a compromise between the French part and the Flemish part. And, and the whole government, we don't have a president, so everything is based on compromise. And that's also the role that they've taken in Europe. And they always want to bring people together. And I mean, they were there from the, from the beginning in the European Union. And, and they've been doing quite well. And I think that's mainly it, their involvement in the European Union. That is strongly uh, well, present I think in you, Brussels. You were mostly talking about the colonization long, long of Congo. And really a long, long time ago, that's still Belgian. But I think that is just purely the greed of the royal family. Gotcha. Because they saw France, they saw England, that they were doing so fine with the colony, that stealing all the resources, and they wanted their share. And so they they went, it's... That's not really the the people, the Flemish people that wanted to go to Africa. No, I'm I'm sure they didn't want to go there. But the, the king said... You'll go there because I won there. So how do you think about Americans then? Because I think Americans, they like to stay home too. But they have this, like you're saying that the, the people on the top, they in Belgium, they, they wanted to go uh, colonize. But I feel like the people in America also want that. Not just the government, but the people in America. They want, they, they have this weird feeling that they can go and impose upon people on, Oh, well, if you look at the presidential candidates, it's not very, neither neither of the big names are very for compromise, I think. It shows... Not, not for compromise and not for uh, leaving people be, you know, Clinton and Trump. Uh, they, well, you, you can't really trust what Trump says because he'll say in the same speech that he wants to get out of the, uh, the Middle East and then, uh, and he wants to go destroy ISIS yeah, in the same yeah, speech. But... Um, but Clinton, for sure, wants to uh, wants to wants war with the whole world, basically, because that'll make her money. But, uh, but people agree with this. People agree. They're like, we need to go and do this. We need to bring democracy to. We need to bring democracy. I was really to surprised. We're following a little bit the, the debates, mm-hmm. democratic debates, Republican yeah. debates, and I was actually surprised that the journalists ask a lot of questions about how. What are you going to do over there in Afghanistan? What are you going to do in Iraq? It's not the case in, in France, for instance. Like the, the media, they don't ask what they are going to do there because of the feeling we, we shouldn't be there. We are there because hi, it was a difficult situation. We are there now, so it's difficult to, to leave right away, but we just don't want to talk about it. And I was really surprised that maybe as you, uh, it goes in the same direction as what you said, but maybe the, the population, the American population, wants to go there, wants to spread freedom and democracy, or... It's been like this for a hundred years now. Uh, that ended after the First World War, you know. But, uh, but we were thinking about that yesterday. Isn't it also the, the fact that the military industry is really, really, really big in the U.S.? And that you got, you kind of need to it's a, feed it. It gets scarier when a, you think you, when you think further. With oh well, yeah, it's scary. The absolute scariest thing is American military industrial uh, complex. But like Bel- like smaller European countries like Belgium and France and Germany, their their arms uh, they're not better. Their arms corporations are not. Sm- like that small either. No, no, they're really big, especially yeah. the French one. Yeah, especially the French. Yeah. Yes. They make some nice guns, though. <laughs> they make some nice guns, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I got, but, got uh, a sidetracked there. I also meant that the, the fact that there are so many, in proportion, so many American people employed by the military, that it's yeah. really a force, like, okay, the 
French industrial companies are big, but France doesn't really rely on the military right. and their economy yeah. as much as do you, America does. Do you know that uh, 23 cents on the dollar that Americans pay for taxes is goes to the military? Wow. I didn't know that. 23 cents. I didn't know that. So for every dollar that you that you give for taxes, 23 cents goes wow. to the military. It's a lot. Yeah. What do you think, as as an American? What do you, what what uh, do you think? It's a waste of money. What what you what? I'm on the side of uh, uh, more like more liberty, more uh, just just <laughs> just let people keep the money that they earn. <laughs> if you're so, I think about it like this: if if let's say I, I work five days a week, which I don't, but let's say I do. A lot of Americans do. They work five days a week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If So, uh, if on if I get to keep all the money from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and let's say that all of the money from Friday is is, is on taxes, what? Just give me Friday off. Like, I, if if you're gonna take that for taxes and spend it irresponsibly, just I don't need that money. Just just don't give me that money and give me the day off. Don't waste my time with this. It's a waste of time and. Uh, because they'll spend it on absolute lunacy, like like uh, a military uh, and security uh, apparatus that doesn't actually make us more safe, healthcare that doesn't make us any more healthy, uh, education system that puts us at number twenty three in the world for uh, for for math and sciences. What? what? It doesn't really work for so well. If it works well, I'd be glad to get. Yeah, let's for say it. let's say like. The U.S. did what Scandinavia is doing right now. I mean, let's say they were they, they were financing schools and hospitals and stuff like that. Would you gladly pay taxes then? I would pay taxes if I thought it was effective, which most of the time, in let's say, the easiest way to frame it is to say socialist uh, context. This doesn't work because uh, interests come in. Like, uh, for example, um, in America, you will continue this thing of uh, everybody. I don't know if you guys know this, but in the mornings, every American student at a public school has to stand up and pledge allegiance to the flag. So here it is. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. I remember it because I did it every wow. single day, Monday through Friday, from, from kindergarten to, uh, to, to, to 12th grade in high school. I remember it, and I'll remember it forever. And I don't know if it's completely right to have a system, uh, if you're paying for education from the state, that is always, always, always going to be pushing the interests of the state. Um, because that's what it is. We, we learn about uh, uh, the, how, how heroic we were in the Second World War, um, and uh, we gloss over what happened, for example, in Spain. We say, oh, or uh, with Spain. So, like, Teddy Roosevelt, he, he was a really heroic guy, naturalist, war hero, whatever, but we don't really cover as much. Uh, the, the war crimes in the Philippines, for example, and what we do, it, how we basically claimed Guantanamo Bay, like this, things like this. Yeah. So, um, but I, I understand. And the healthcare doesn't work. So, yeah. <laughs> so Obama passed healthcare. Everyone's everyone's forced to be covered. I got so many emails in January. They're like, please sign up for healthcare. Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want the White House emails anymore. Please take me off this list. Because it's 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 ineffective, it's expensive, and everyone pays for it. Well, it can be very effective and inexpensive. Like I mean, in Belgium, I'm glad to pay. I, we pay almost 50% tax, but I'm glad because we get good healthcare. Everything is working fine. We have a really good education yes. system for such a small country. So I don't think it's just a question of paying less taxes. It's just a question. Let's spend these taxes on good things. Because I, I think also, like you, you said, always the interests are, are going to, to come. I think it's really a, a matter of education. What you, what you said, for me at least, it's really a, an American point of view. And I totally understand why you, you think that, considering the, the situation here with the States, it's not really great. 
for me, I always learned that the states, the interest of the states should always come first because the states, it's us. There is no states. It should be. And I understand, I understand why you say that, because indeed the American government and the, Euro, the French government as well. No, govern, no government is perfect, of course. But we should, we should never forget that it's us. The government is us. And when it, it does bullshit, we should step up and we should tell them, no. That's what we see right now. You represent uh, us. What we see right now is, uh, in, in the example I'm bringing up is Arizona, when uh, they reduced, so this is for the Democratic primaries between Sanders and, and, and Clinton, they reduced the number of polling stations, so people were waiting maybe three hours or more. Yeah. And yes. then when they got there, some people were like, oh, you're a registered Republican. They're like, no, I'm not. What are you, are you bullshitting? So um, the Democrats of, uh, of, of, uh, Democrats of Arizona are, are uh, going to the, the, the state government and saying, this, this can't stand. Like, you, you, can't, you can't have Hillary Clinton come. And obviously, Hillary Clinton hit, hit just hurt 20, 30 years of, of, of political history has been all deception and dishonesty. So maybe there's not 100% evidence that she did something to do with this, but she has a huge pull in the Democratic uh, uh, Party, and it is very likely that she had something to do with this uh, this deception. And uh, Is there a, an investigation going on now? She has too many investigations, that's the thing. She has the investigation of this, she has the investigation with I've Benghazi the, and her emails. Uh, emails yes. uh, and w I don't want to get into how, how, how much Hillary Clinton is a terrible person, but she's just, you can't get around the fact that she, uh, for, just take Benghazi for example, if any other person other than she, other than Hillary Clinton did what she did, if I was Secretary of State and I didn't have a lot of money like she did, and I used my private emails and my documents, secret documents got leaked, I would go to jail. But since she has money and she has uh, uh, all this stuff going for her on her side, she uh, she can run for president and be totally okay, even though she is a criminal. So, yeah. I didn't I'm, know it went that far. Yeah, because imagine uh, if these are unprotected messages from the Secretary of State. I understand the seriousness of yeah. the... China employees. and Russia have these documents now. It's unquestionable. Unquestionable. China's they're experts at hacking and Russia True. doesn't play around True. either. They have True. Edward Snowden for yeah. China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they, so it's crazy. It's crazy. Do we know which document were, were leaked? Uh, everything. Everything in the that she was doing secretly through through this private server was leaked. Shit. So Shit. imagine everything you would do privately if, if you were if you were Secretary of State and you had some work to do, you had some private things to do, you had some money to collect from people, uh, and you were using a private server. All that stuff that you were using that you wanted to keep private so people uh, weren't uh, keeping an eye on it. All that is out there. Shit. But meanwhile, you have Bernie Sanders going out and saying, hey, uh, in the first debate, he said, me and the American people, we're tired of hearing about your goddamn emails. If I was Bernie Sanders, I would, uh, I would, I would attack Hillary Clinton and, and, and make this a huge point. But isn't it a smart move of him? Because most of the people who are supporting him, they are just fed up of that kind of politics. But you just attack they're fed up. Them. They're fed up with money politics. With money politics, but the also... Truth can't be, the, the truth can't be like swept under the rug so easily And also anymore. the fact that you, you try to avoid important question by pinpointing, ah, oh, you did that bad, you did that bad. I think it's a good thing that Sanders keeps in the okay against money of super PACs, against Wall Street. Yeah. I think it's really good. He's focused about that, say, okay, bullshit, I want to be elected on that. I don't want to be elected because nobody likes Hillary. I want to be elected because they support my... I think it's a good thing. I think a lot more politicians should, uh, should do that. A problem I have, though, with Sanders... I'm not a Sanders supporter at all, actually. Uh, I am. But, but uh, no, well, see, here's the thing. I, I really like what he does in the sense of um, calling to attention money and politics and corruption. Uh, his policies I'm not 100% on board with. But what I'd like to say is that he 
needs to be stronger on his. Uh, he needs to be more have more conviction and if he believes it, say it stronger, because uh, he to 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 be to be pleasing to everybody. He, he holds back a little bit. So for something like a Hillary Clinton being a criminal, like you really have to come out and say that. You have to say, you have to call it what it is. Yeah, if you right. if you believe in socialism, uh, or what he calls democratic socialism, you better fucking stick to your guns about it. Because you know who does? Donald Trump, and everyone supports him. Sixty percent, sixty percent of uh, Republican voters support him, I believe. But I heard that in every poll. Between Trump and either Hillary or Sanders, he would lose. Uh, like even Cruz would lose, even uh, yes. against uh, both. Yes, we're not so sure Bernie. anymore since recent. Yeah. I would say changed in, within three weeks. I think within uh, the last three weeks, I think we would we would say that Hillary has significantly less. Maybe it balances out because, interestingly enough. Uh, a lot of Republicans would vote for Hillary Clinton because uh, she would continue um, the foreign policy of, of, of Obama and George Bush, which they like. They like it. Uh, a lot of neoconservatives, a lot of conservatives in Congress would prefer um, Clinton over over uh, over Trump because Trump would destabilize everything. Because Trump was say, is saying in, incredible things that I actually like. For example criticizing the Iraq war uh, he said he wants to but as I said before he also says contradictory things within the same speech so uh, he'll say it's hard to, to know where he stands though. yeah he wants he wants more isolationism but also to destroy Isis and also to let Putin destroy Isis so who who knows what he really thinks so that's the problem with Trump is he says a lot of things that I actually agree with but he has no uh, What do you agree that the uh, uh, foreign policy, some foreign policy that he says, but at the same time, I'm like saying the wall? he he uh, no, not the wall. <laughs> the wall is. I know what he's trying to say, but he's really bad at saying things. Um, he is problematizing immigration, um, which is a legitimate problem. But he wants to build a wall, which doesn't actually work. We know this. We, Israel, Berlin, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, um, he. What was, I, what was I saying? He he says a lot of things that make sense, but he, he contradicts himself, and this is dangerous for establishment because he's he's entirely uh, unpredictable. I totally understand why he scares the the establishment and especially the Republican establishment. I can't. So so what's really interesting now is they're thinking because he's closest and he only needs I think four hundred four to six hundred uh, delegates. To become the nominee without question in the Republican Party, but he, uh, the Republican Party wants to do what's, or they're aiming to do what's called a brokered convention, which means they'll get somebody like a Mitt Romney or a Rick Perry, somebody who is a loser who lost in the last elections. They'll put him as the potential nominee, and they'll have a brokered convention where they'll decide if they'll. Uh, shift all the delegates to this person. So if if Trump doesn't get these nomin uh, these these delegates, then uh, then, gonna hijack then the they'll uh, just they'll just take his votes and put it over here. And that'll be really interesting because wow. the American people, the Republicans, will say, "Are you serious?" So our votes yes. didn't matter. Yes. <laughs> But I can imagine, especially for the Republicans, for the for the people who don't don't like the establishment to exactly to tell them what to do because you can't you can't categorize all Trump voters as the same you know don't you have the feeling that the Republican Party lost in a way already whatever they a do a long time ago actually whatever Bush. they're gonna do yeah. they're gonna lose credibility they're gonna lose some of their voters they're gonna yeah but that's that's something I really like about the Trump and uh, Sanders is that they're showing that everything's falling apart you know it's uh The Democratic convention and the Republican convention—it's not doing what the people want. But like want. Sanders is building something, whereas oh, yeah, I Trump, Trump is just destroying and crushing everything. But what Trump is pulling out, actually, okay, so you have to see what Trump is doing to the left, which is really, really interesting. It's making the left what the left traditionally thinks the right does. So, for example, one example is uh, is. Um, Uh, interrupting his speeches and conventions and, and events. So there's left-wing reporters, left-wing people 
who, uh, I don't know if they're supporters of, of Sanders or anything, but they're from the left. And they'll, uh, they'll go interrupt these uh, conferences and then blame the violence on Trump. So, for example, there was a reporter, I think... I don't know who she was a reporter for, but a reporter from the Washington Post had, a, had taken a photo um, of this happening. She went and went on stage and tried to uh, tried to lay hands on, on Donald Trump, and then she blamed the violence that happened, not violence, but uh, the Secret Service took her away. Uh, and she blamed her bruises. She had no bruises. She was wearing a heavy jacket. She blamed her... Uh, injuries on on Donald Trump and there's whole videos of the the, the event and everything and uh, Donald Trump was like, I don't remember this ever really happening uh, my Secret Service guy like maybe removed somebody from the audience but uh, nothing particularly violent happened but she built it up to this uh, basically a lie um, because the left in America now I they, they have this idea that Trump is is uh, the absolute evil, and they'll do whatever it takes to uh, to slander him. Uh, which I I think he's yeah. he's very dangerous for America. He's very dangerous for America. But you can't make up lies to to. You're right. To do On the other hand, Trump also benefits from the violence at his rallies, saying yes. or scaring the people even more than they are. The, the people who vote for Trump, they they are scared. So like, it's I good saw, if they're scared in a way. I saw a little, a little video, you know those stupid videos on uh, on Facebook yesterday about a guy who had a, a sign free hugs. Free hugs, and he went to a Trump rally, and they said, Trump's, "If you don't support Trump, I'm gonna punch you." Yes, yeah. and he, he got so bad words, and then he went to a Sanders movement, and, and he got was happy, so loud. Everyone was crying. And then after that, I saw another video with a guy at a Bernie Sanders rally with. Free uh, hugs for a Trump supporters. So he, he was saying, "Okay, I'm a Trump supporters. Would you hug me?" And a lot of people did. A lot of people hugged him, just saying, "Okay, I'm sorry yeah, for you." Yeah. Okay, They're making fun of him a little bit. But I think it sh it shows a lot yes. about who votes and what kind of personality they are as well. I mean, and yeah, okay, nobody should lie. You're right. And I heard about that, and indeed she exaggerated a lot, and that shouldn't be done. But Sanders, you cannot really compare Sanders and Trump. I mean, oh, no, 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 too, no, it's not too often. It's too often done, yeah. sometimes in the media. Yeah, but but what we're seeing is this, these two things: is the, the the problematization of the two parties that we have and then the problematization of uh, media portrayal of, of candidates. Because there are other candidates, because in the last election, actually, who I voted for was uh, Gary Johnson. He was this guy from the Libertarian Party who, um, he got less than 1% of the vote. Woke up at 6 in the morning to go vote, vote for him, got less than 1% of the vote. Um, but this, these people don't get any attention. And uh, there's another one, Jill Stein, she's the, the if you can believe it, America does have a Green Party. And she's the well, presidential candidate for the Green Party back in 2012, 2016. She's a doctor from Baltimore. And uh, she was arrested for trying to attend a debate. She's a presidential candidate, Whoa. a legitimate presidential candidate, arrested because she, she wanted to attend a debate. And what, what are the charges? Why, why, what what, what debate? What, what was the debate? The debate between the Republicans and Democrats. Because the media controls these debates. The media says, okay, the Republicans gave us money, the Democrats gave us money. They didn't want her to hijack or yeah, whatever. To bring up uh, different issues. Wow. She's, she's also anti-war. She's uh, concerned about the environment as a Green Party candidate. This is how it is. I think that might be one of the biggest differences between America and Europe. That we have parliamentary system. Yes, yeah, and a lot of parties in the parliaments because you, you have a parliament as well. But indeed, it's not just bipolar. We have a lot more different parties and it's within the whole parties. Spectrum, the whole yeah, spectrum and I think that that changes a lot. Like we we how how can I say that we're less cringed on on our beliefs or our position 
a bit extremist, of course, but compromise. Yeah, we, uh, we compromise a lot more. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'd also like, okay, so like we've been talking about American politics now. I'd like to turn a little bit back onto uh, on Belgium and uh, like what we, you were hinting at before with the, the, the attack on in the, at the airport in Brussels. Bit, yeah. So, did you have you spoken to people back in, in Belgium about this? Or, uh, yeah, we so immediately contacted our families and we had heard from other families. Um, but I don't know, I don't really know anyone who was close to the attacks and actually I find it really cool in, in Facebook, the, the application where you, everyone could say I'm in Brussels but I'm safe, so you could immediately see, okay, everyone Ankara is has good. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was really nice, but it, it was very strange to be here while the whole country was upset. People had to stay at their jobs because everything was closed and public transportation wasn't running anymore. It must have been really scary. And yeah, as we already said, people are scared. Our friends are scared and yeah. I'm scared too but, to go back. But I want to nuance a little bit because of course everybody is scared just like in Paris. But a bit like in Paris, they yeah. don't want to to let the scare take the best of them. They, they still go out and they're fuck, fuck it. I mean, we, we won't let them scare us. Yeah, there so are it's a mix. It, it's really weird to feel. It's mostly a feeling that you can feel that weird feeling between, okay, we're scared, we have to be careful. There are a lot of things we have to talk about. What the, yeah, Muslims and stuff like that. We, we have to address those issues. It's not going to be easy. But we cannot let the, the fear just yeah, like, yeah. Uh, dominate your everyday yes, life. Dominate yeah. that's, the, that's, life. that's what. Uh, um, that's how you need to uh, approach a, a, a terrorist um, attack. That's you have to be resilient. Yeah. Uh, the people, if you if you don't react to it, that's victory. Because reaction is what they want. They want the United States to go uh, fight in Iraq and True. Afghanistan. That's True. what they want. It's if you do nothing, then they're like, oh, yeah. I guess it didn't work. Yeah. You know. But it's hard because still people yeah. died and... It's, it's hard because things keep moving forward, like uh, the refugee, uh, the, the, the intake of refugees and migrants, and, uh, and, and people do have to come to terms with 30 people dying at the airport and, uh, and things like this. Yeah, it's, it's nothing to be compared with 9-11, of course, but it's still okay, they can reach us wherever. Yeah. It's okay, yeah. it's... Not it about the number here. of dead, but it's still they can reach us in Paris, in bars, New York, at your office. They can reach us wherever, and that's the scary part of it. And so it's hard, but you're right. You're right. We we shouldn't react and or react with more Force. compassion, yeah. with don't, more don't, love, don't react with more, with more bombs. Yes. Yeah. But I enjoyed how immediately after the attacks there were already comics about the attacks, like. People were already joking about it. Yeah, making this, fun. The symbol of Belgium is a little guy peeing on the street. So there were lots of comics. Mannequin peeing. Yeah, mannequin yeah, yeah, peeing. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, he was peeing on the war. He was peeing on terrorism. And that was really nice. People immediately find not hatred, but yeah, compassion. Humor. And yeah, that's good. Humanity. Yeah, I think. Because there's a lot of extremes with reactions to terrorist attacks these days, that uh, you have to be, you know, don't don't blame the Muslims or blame the Muslims or or blame policy, don't blame policy. But if we can all sort of, I don't want to say that relax about people dying, but like just like you said, make cartoons, make yeah, no, be yeah. creative and realizing we we can live together. And but now I, we, we say a very nice, we, we picture a very nice uh, image of, uh, of Belgium, but there is also, of course, the, the rise of the extreme right yeah. in also, France, also the rise of the Front National. It's really worrying because... All of, your, all of Europe is like this. Though. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, going the thing more, is... more xenophobic in a way. It's not the same person, of course, so it's really kind of... It divides the population, of but not not only not only the extreme right, but also the uh, the dynamic of uh, of um, 
of the, I don't know if it's changing, but the, the existence in Europe now of, uh, of Islam, like the, the idea that having Islam try to coexist with uh, Western liberalism, like there's a lot of uh, conflicts there that need to be resolved. I don't know if they can be resolved, but they, they're there I'm and sure, you have to I'm, have... I'm sure, I'm sure they can and they are, they are being resolved. I'm, uh, I'm fairly confident even though Joker knows I'm a, I'm a very strong atheist. I really believe that religion should disappear at some point. phased out. Without violence, through education and through dialogues of course, but whatever. I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm very confident for the, for the future because we should never forget that there is only 8% Muslim in France. It's pretty much the same in Belgium. Belgium. It's not that like the extreme right wants to picture it. Like that big wave of Muslims that are coming and overflowing us. It's not really the case, but we have to address the fact that you have to yes, they are more and more loud. It creates problems at school. Like the teaching of evolution becomes a problem now in Muslim communities. Yeah, there's one Those the, are in, stuff in we, Belgium, we need to address. Uh, is it, it's called Molenby. Yeah, this is uh, that's been very interesting to me in recent uh, in recent weeks because, well, that's that's where the uh, the guy was uh, caught who uh, uh, organized yeah. the Paris attacks, and also that uh, the local community seemed to uh, favor him. So Apparently, everybody knew, I mean, almost everybody knew. There's, there's mixed news about that. Sometimes they say no, I mean, I don't believe that it was that big. I believe that there was, I don't know, there were maybe people, but... But it is a problematic town, however. There's so much extremism and, and the city just let it grow there. It's a, it was a poor town, so people just left it. And For 20 years, the authority did nothing to, to reduce criminality, to reduce stuff. There was a lot of drug over there 10 years ago. Who solved it? The religious guys. They came saying, no, 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 guy, you should stop with your drug, you should come to the mosque with me. But, yeah, they stopped drugs, nice, and they became ter terrorists. Yeah. And they want to kill for Allah. And they, so, they, they, they encourage, why? Because the authorities... some things like uh, uh, violence and um, what is really concerning is... Uh, so, there, there's a big thing in Europe uh, that because European... Uh, birth rate is decreasing. There's this idea that you can replace them with uh, uh, these these uh, you know, migrants coming in to, to work or whatever. Um, I don't really buy that. Uh, and why do why, what, what the, don't you buy? Because well, so there's this idea that um, it's the it's the educated and skilled uh, of Syria, for example, who are coming to Europe. Uh, I don't think that's the case, and um, uh, for example, I think it's it is because they, they had the money. They are the first. To, they were the first to to be able to to fly yeah, there's away. A, there's a lot of dimensions to this, yes. But like in October, let's say when Angela Merkel opened up the borders, um, that those weren't the people coming in. It's just how I mean uh, a, a huge a huge portion of uh, the people coming in. Uh, as migrants or, or refugees, whatever you want to call them, uh, are um, undereducated. Uh, oh, they can't. They, yeah, it's yeah. just war. It's just war, and everyone's going. There's doctors there. There's of course chemicals, chemists. There's there's all kinds of nurses. No, everyone is just fleeing from there, and it's just a normal population that is that is moving. And of course, there's evil minds there and maybe there's a terrorist or two but I mean the majority are just normal people who want a normal job, want a normal life and preferably they want it in Syria but they cannot so they come elsewhere. And, and you, also see, you also see that a lot of them, they, they will tell you that yeah I mean it's okay maybe I don't even like living in Germany or Sweden but uh, I would prefer to be in Syria, they say that. I mean yeah, Syria is going numbers, to Iceland. It's... 
it and it's really hard, hard yeah, to say difficult. which way or is there more guys with a diploma? There are less. There are no numbers. There are no demographics. It's hard to say. And there are uh, there are numbers. There are, uh, illiteracy numbers are very high. Um, and to, uh, I've never I've never seen them. Yeah, maybe they, I should check. Yeah, them. I should. I should also uh, do more research on this. But uh, to, to, to say the least, it's but very problematic. Even if and even if they are uneducated, they are fleeing war. Yeah. They have every right to this flee war because I would flee war. I'm not really educated or whatever. And then what? I don't want to die yeah. even in my country. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So here I want to uh, emphasize a point that I've been I've been thinking about um, in more recent months is um, the idea of relocating them in neighboring countries um, because uh, you have uh, cultural. Uh, incompatibilities, as we as we discussed, and also uh, financial um, financial difficulties. So um, this was back when I don't know if you remember when Canada and the United States were discussing um, accepting yeah. refugees or not. Uh, this was in the fall, I think, and uh, yeah. the issue was: do we do we accept them or not? Is this sort of immigration issue, whatever? But when you get down to the finances. To, to pay for uh, a, a war refugee in Syria to come to the United States or to Canada, for one ref, for one individual, you can pay for, the number was 52, uh, you can relocate in a neighboring country like Lebanon, Jordan, or Yeah, uh, but you cannot just put Saudi them Arabia. there. Already Jordan, its population has grown with 33% of refugees. It's not sustainable there for a country. There is one scandal, it's Saudi scale. Arabia. Saudi yeah, Arabia. Yes. Saudi Arabia can take a shitload. Yes. It, it probably it could take every, every pop, the, the whole population of Syria. They don't take any. You're right. They take zero. That's a scandal. They should be ashamed of themselves. I need to, I need to say that what I was saying is only purely uh, money, mon financial, monetary. With, those, with that money, you can more easily distance, distance-wise and like compatibility-wise and financially uh, relocate them. In so in the same condition, you can relocate 53 person in, in Jordan. Jordan, for Jordan. They have they have millions. They have millions uh, for one so in far, Canada. But uh, for one in Canada, that's so the, the the debate here in the North America was whether or not to accept them. But it never came down to is this even the sensible but option. Then faced to the situation where yeah they don't want okay Saudi Arabia they don't do it shame on them. Yeah. Can we do the same? Can we say okay because they don't do we won't take any? I, I'm not sure that's the ma uh, mature. Yeah, but uh, so, so but, but what Europe does now is like this. If you can get to us, good luck to you. Yeah. We'll take you. Good it's luck. Horrible. People yeah. are walking for weeks, for months. Yeah, they're, they're walking. walking. From the they they south won't swim. They won't swim the Atlantic. No, no they won't. But that's the yeah, thing. and they just leave them walking, and then they arrive weeks later in the north and in the cold. Yeah. And how is it better than Saudi Arabia, finally? Yeah. They are so close, but they don't take them. Yeah. America says, okay, we can come, you can come, but it's not my problem. Is it, is it better, really? Yeah. Well, I don't want to end on such a, <laughs> such a depressing <laughs> okay, note. Uh, let's, just, let's just rem remember that <laughs> we won the jackpot. Maybe people who or having trouble in Belgium, no, or having trouble in Syria. Maybe we can oh. end on... I'm fairly optimistic. There are less and less wars in the world. More and more people have access to education, water, food. It's not perfect, but little by little, I think we're going there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And Imagine, we're, we, we're, we, someone from Belgium and France, speak to a Taiwanese-American on a podcast in Dolores, beautiful Dolores Park. And I think those kind of podcasts help. I mean, just getting people together, focusing on the similarities instead of the differences. The differences are fun. We can make fun yeah. of each other, but fun. we're just the one people at some point. Yeah, it's yeah. better to proliferate love than to yeah. proliferate... A uh, hippie message the, from Dolores Park. Yeah, from Dolores Park. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, I think it's an obvious decision, you know, like to 
peace and love instead of uh, instead of war and hatred. It's it's seems so simple, but yeah, but the, it is it like is. like my favorite uh, philosopher Carl uh, uh, von Clausewitz would say. Uh, the most simple things are difficult. Somehow, this is how it is. The most simple things are difficult. So, nice yeah. note to, to end on. But yeah, thank you. Thank both of thank you, you for being on my podcast. It was great. It was very fun. Thanks.